For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to JBJS OrthoCore. Listen as members of the ortho community, residents, surgeons, educators, staff, and patients share their stories about the experiences and people most important in their lives and the lessons they learned along the way. OrthoCore is an audio archive inspired by StoryCorps and independently organized by the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. This is Mark Swinkowski in Bloomington, Minnesota, uh, here at the Trio Orthopedic Center, and I'm talking with my colleague and friend, Jeff Husband, one of the founders of Tria with five other doctors. Uh, we're very proud of what we have accomplished here and got multiple sites, but what I wanted to talk with uh, Jeff about is uh, his experience as a hand fellow at the Indiana Hand Center. I have a colleague that I trained with, Dr. Tom Fisher, that I've known for 40 years and uh, he's retiring this year. And I, I know that Jeff was a fellow uh, when uh, Tom was there um, and uh, also interacted with a number of these really famous, I guess, characters, if you will, in hand surgery. Um, and I, I wanted to capture just the flavor of Jeff's experience and why he went there and what the experience was like. So I've already uh, talked enough, but Jeff, you're a, you're a kid from Manitoba. Well, technically speaking, I'm from east of Manitoba. I grew up in Kenora, Ontario, at the north end of Lake of the Woods, which is 30 miles east of the Ontario-Manitoba border. But I did complete medical school and my orthopedic residency in Winnipeg. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my confusing. I've always associated you, you with the Winnipeg Jets. And for those of you listening, Dr. Husband is an outstanding hockey player and still, still plays from time to time. Perhaps a better golfer at this point in his life, but um, still very interested in uh, hockey. So, so how does a kid from uh, uh, University of Manitoba end up south of the border? First, how does a kid end up in hand surgery? And then how does that kid end up in Indiana? <clears throat> During my orthopedic <clears throat> residency, we all did a rotation in plastic surgery because the only hand surgeons in Winnipeg at the time were plastic surgeons. I had the opportunity mm -hmm. to work with Dr. Mirek Strank, who escaped from Poland, made his way to Britain. That was communist Poland at the mm -hmm. time, and then ended up as a plastic surgeon in Winnipeg with a strong interest in hand and microvascular surgery. Mm -hmm. He was an excellent teacher. He would make rounds with us at 6.30 in the morning. He was always willing to teach, and I drew a lot of inspiration from him. But with regard to hand, I was always fascinated by the anatomy and function. And that's what drew me towards hand surgery. Towards the end of my residency, uh, I attended the Winnipeg Orthopedic Society Symposium and all of the residents were encouraged to pair up with one of the visiting professors and go and have dinner with them. We had an update on hand surgery and we were lucky enough to attract five of the best known hand surgeons uh. 
in the United Great. States. Yeah. That yeah. included Jim Strickland, Richard Smith, yes. Graham Lister, oh my. Jerry Cooney, and Kirk yeah. Watson. Wow. And I yeah. gravitated towards Jim Strickland, went out for dinner with him, yeah. asked, I guess, what he felt were good questions during the discussion period. And he invited me to come down and interview for a fellowship position in Indianapolis. This was the first year of the match. There was no match in Canada, but it was the first year of the match for the fellowship. And I applied to only one program. Wow. To Indianapolis. And I was lucky enough to be selected to become a fellow there. And what year was that, Jeff? I did my fellowship uh, starting in 1988 and finished in July of 1989. Okay. Well, wow. that's great. So. Unfortunately, we lost Dr. Strickland fairly recently. Uh, uh, we published his obituary in the, in the journal. What, what are your recollections of uh, Jim as a person, as an educator? Um, what did you learn from him about life, etc.? Mm. I think that I consider myself very lucky to have worked with him. I, I believe that in our lives, we have certain mm. people that have an effect on us. Mm either personally or professionally or both. Mm -hmm. And I felt that Jim Strickland represented to me someone that I could only aspire to be like. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a, a great person. He was personable. He was intellectual. He was a superb surgeon mm -hmm. who never made a big deal about it. He always made things look easy he, he was a fast operator, and I think I became a fast surgeon because yeah. of him. Not and, that fast is necessarily good. No, but, but you are very efficient as a surgeon. Right. I've seen it. So, And yeah. he could hmm. interact hmm. with patients in a way that they felt that he cared about them, hmm. that he understood them, and that he was able to convey to them what he thought he should do. Hmm. And... If it was someone from rural Indiana, Hoosier, he would sit on the table and swing his legs and talk yeah. at an appropriate level to them. If it was a mechanical engineer who needed all the details and statistics surrounding a, the surgery, he'd be able to tailor his discussion to them in that way. Yeah. He treated everybody with respect. He was not at all arrogant. I felt he was a very humble surgeon. And so, in short, he really inspired me, I think, to try and model my career after him. Yeah, a great role model. And I remember he had quite a sense of humor, too. He was a very quick-witted uh, individual that could turn any situation into something fun and interesting. And uh, sometimes you were the brunt of uh, his uh, quick wit, as I recall. And, and he was a practical joker, too, which was... Uh, a lot of fun. So I, right. I, I think I tried to match with wits with him sometimes in the humor department, but usually came out on the short end of the stick. <laughs> yeah. Although you have some pretty good stories, so uh, we can't get into them, most of them uh, here, I don't think, but get into a little bit of uh, censorship. But now there were some other characters who were on the faculty there. Why don't you, uh, maybe Dr. Steichen? You know, mm. it's, it's interesting that mm. In Indianapolis at the time, there were many different personalities. Mm. And I think we all benefited from each of them in different ways. Mm. Jim Steichen mm. 
was extremely detailed. He considered everything very carefully. We would sometimes spend five minutes in the operating room getting the table in what he referred to as the center of the universe so that it was appropriately positioned under the lights. He might take a minute to draw his surgical incision on the skin. Uh, he was a superb microvascular surgeon. I think he was a great decision maker. And I think that was one of the ways that I really benefited from him. He had a very dry sense of humor. I think mm -hmm. I got along with him well. Others didn't always see eye to eye with him, but I felt that he always treated everybody fairly. And he really appreciated when people would go to the extra mile. Uh, my wife could not get a work visa. So I was on my own in Indianapolis, mm -hmm. which meant that I had nothing to do but work. And we would occasionally do a big microvascular case on the weekend. And I took every opportunity to go in and uh, help with those cases because it did require all hands on deck. So I learned a lot in that way. And as an aside, I think one of the major benefits of the Indianapolis Hand Fellowship Program was that you were given autonomy, but you also had a lot of support and supervision. We had our own hand room in the emergency room at St. Vincent's Hospital. And when we were on call, we could do whatever cases in that room that we felt comfortable doing, that we could do either under a local anesthetic or I would occasionally do an, a beer block. If we needed to go to the operating room, the staff would be there. There was nothing, none of this, you're gonna do the case on your own. And while I think sometimes we all want to be independent it's difficult to learn in a vacuum if you're doing something by yourself. So having all of the partners who were on, whoever was on call come in to do a case, I felt really made a big difference in the educational experience. Yeah, feedback is critical. And if you're working by yourself, there's not much of that. Oh. Right, sometimes you just practice your mistakes. Right, exactly. How about Hill Hastings? Hill Hastings <laughs> is another <laughs> incredible surgeon who has, even in his retirement, probably more energy than most of us have in our lifetimes. And not only did he have a lot going on in the hand surgical world, his, in his personal life, he was always doing something. He was skiing in the Himalayas or hiking in the Himalayas, skiing in the Andes Mountains, riding horses in the Southwest, he was very uh, pro prolific in terms of developing a variety of devices. I can remember working with him on uh, a wrist arthrodesis plate, which is now in use. Uh, so I learned a lot from Hill in that way. I think that on a personal level, I think I got to know him as much as any of the others because I got to know his family. Um, I uh, would occasionally go out and visit him. He had a pond near his house. We'd swim in the pond. Uh, I rode horses with him one time and I'm no equestrian, but that was a lot of fun. So yeah. there was that part of it as well. Yeah, it was a pretty welcoming group of uh, surgeons who, who really took good care of the fellows. They did, they yeah. cared about yeah. us. Yeah, and how about my colleague, uh, Tom Fisher, who I owe a lot uh, to uh, with our residency training together. He covered uh, for me on more times than I can count. You know, just a wonderful human. What are your recollections of 
Tom, I might be big, but I'm slow fisher. <laughs> Tom is another uh, surgeon that mm. was very inspiring mm. to me, and we still communicate. Yeah. Uh, mm. He has a cabin on Rainy Lake, which is about 100 miles from where I grew up. So we have that in common. Tom knew the literature inside out. He always knew the latest, but he was also very practical. He never shied away from a challenging surgical case, so I learned a lot in that way. I think there were certain cases that I would look at and say, I don't see any way that I could possibly do what you think you should do, but he was able to find a way to do it. Um, also a great person. I felt very, very humble. Uh, very humble surgeon. Also uh, interacted with him personally, uh, was invited to Thanksgiving dinner at his home. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of things that um, that made me respect and admire about Tom that carry over to this day. Yeah. Tom's a great uh, all-around physician. He would have done really well as a general practitioner too. I heard stories of him resuscitating people in the waiting room of the Indiana Hand Center, et cetera, and making diagnoses of breast carcinoma when, you know, really a detail-oriented physician that not only paid attention to the patient's upper extremity, but they're also their entire health condition. So Tom's a great physician and friend, and he'll be retiring at the end of the year. So uh, we'll, we'll all wish him well so he can take on his astronomy project, which he's really keen on. So Jeff, uh, in uh, closing, what what would you say are, are the real highlights um, in your one-year experience as a hand fellow uh, at the Indiana Hand Center? It was a very busy, intense year working with fellows with whom I'm still very close. There were three other fellows at there the time? There were five other fellows. Five other fellows. Yeah. Working with exceptional hand surgeons, all of whom brought something different to the field of hand surgery. And I felt that without a doubt, it was the best year of training of my life. And I think it really helped prepare me for my practice. Not that I was a complete hand surgeon when I finished my hand <laughs> fellowship. As you know, that takes many years, but I think it really set me on my way. Oh. Well, Jeff, you, uh, for those of you that are listening that don't know Jeff, he is literally an outstanding clinician. He's cared for members of my family. He's, he is uh, very knowledgeable, communicates extremely well, as he apparently learned at Indiana, or at least in part, and uh, very efficient, um, great judgment, and um, I'm grateful to have you as a partner, Jeff. And thanks uh, for sharing your recollections of the Indiana Hand Center, and particularly Dr. Strickland, who we uh, all miss very much. Thank you very much. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.